He covers the Cavs. One half of the Locked On Cavs podcast, a good friend of the show, Chris Manning, joining us now. What's going on, Chris? How are you doing tonight, man? Spencer, always good to be with you, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm tired. It's been a long week, but uh, overall, I'm, I'm, I think I'm doing all right, so can't complain, you know? Mm-hmm. That's end of the week. You put in the work, and then we can all unwind a little bit. It'll be hopefully some time to relax. Yeah, that, that's the hope. Hopefully the little guy sleeps in tomorrow, and I can actually – and by sleeping, I mean like 8 o'clock, which is like <laughs> – uh, if, if that happens, that's like a miracle for me when he actually sleeps in that late, so we'll see. Sure, sure. Um, all right. Get a bit nice win for the Cavs tonight. 110-100 over Detroit. I know it's Detroit, so people are gonna obviously treat that for what it is, but it, it felt like almost a get right game for Darius Garland. Just what did you make of his performance? I think particularly from three Spencer, that's where the value comes from for him and what stands out. I mean, I think as a passer, I think as a on shots inside the arc, it wasn't his best night. But I think in terms of his confidence from three, him getting hot like that in the second quarter, I think it was six or seven in that quarter, the aggression, the willingness to look for shots on the net where they didn't have Donovan, didn't have Karras, they needed that. And I and I think Darius having that kind of night and the willingness to shoot three is just a big deal. You know, certainly you need to see it when Donovan's back and he has to find his rhythm and all that kind of within that structure, and that's going to be important. But for him, I think to just kind of get to let loose a little bit, I think there could be some value in that as you build forward with him. Yeah, I mean, it certainly felt that way. The, the threes were huge, um, and I've I've kind of been saying that I think he just, like, the only way to get, and JB talked about this after the game, like, the only way to get him better is just to kind of play through it. And I think that's the thing that fans were kind of missing in all this fanfare of, like, just bench him or, you know, he stinks, we got to trade him. It's like, guys, he's coming back from a serious injury. I, I, I think... And, it, and like, there's nothing you can do now. Trade deadlines pass, all these different things. Like, I, I always just kind of subscribe to the idea that he's just going to have to play through it and figure it out. Now I guess the question becomes, what does it look like with Donovan Mitchell and him together? Because that's still the thing I think people are looking for an answer to. Yeah, and I think if people want to have issues with that and what that's looked like, I think that's the, the more than reasonable. I think at times it still feels like they're taking turns. It still feels like we haven't quite found a version of them or seen a version of that is totally in sync all the time. I, I thought Spencer too was really notable how Donovan Mitchell like went to bat for Darius in a row way. Yeah. I think everything he said was valid. I thought that that spoke to, I think, his willingness to make this work and, and the desire to make this work and maximize what this team can be. But I think it's just undeniable that if you look at other guard pairings, you look at how certain guys play together in other spots, Like there is still just a little bit of a lack of cohesion between those two guys. And some of that, I, I think more of that does fall on Darius just because he's not, he's the second fiddle, I think, to Donovan in a lot of ways. But I, I think certainly there's, there's a lot that that partnership has not, I think, hit exactly what it's could be at its best at if they're going to maximize what they are. Like Garland, a solid night for Evan Mobley tonight as well. He was seven of 13 from the floor. He had the, uh, the 17 rebounds. So a double, double for him, 22 total points. What is it, like, why do you think that it seems like there's some nights, like tonight, where he's just able to be so aggressive, and, and maybe the answer is as simple as Donovan Mitchell was on the floor tonight, but why do you think there's some nights where he seems super aggressive on that end of the floor, and it, it just, like, it's it's all working for him, and then there's other nights where he just seems kind of hesitant and, and afraid to pull the trigger? I think, I think it's partially a product that he's a big, and I think if you look at the modern NBA – 
some bigs just end up in this way. This is like kind of the Anthony Davis thing to some degree. Like the offense doesn't always run through him. So there's games where he has it or he gets rolling and they feed him and it, and it works. And there's other nights, Spencer, where like it just doesn't. I think that's kind of going to be the case with Mobley at times. But I I think something I really like since the All-Star break that amid kind of some uneven play for Cleveland at times has been how aggressive they've been in feeding him. I mean, even the other night, you know, in a, in a game he didn't, I didn't feel like he played that well in the, in the Max Struess game winner game. You look, I went back and looked at the box score after the fact. And I was like, oh, he still actually did a lot. It just didn't feel as clean because I think some of the levels he's hit of late have been really, really high. And this is one of those games where you're like, I think the leap is happening. But I think it's not just necessarily that Donovan's out. I think it's there's just nights where as a big and you're dependent on people to feed you touches and, and things to go your way. I think that that's just a product sometimes of, of, a, of, a, of being a big like him in this NBA. Talking with Chris Manning on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. You can follow him on X at CWM Rights. You brought the, the Max Strews game winner. I got to ask because uh, I had a hot take earlier that. Oh, no. Him. No, it wasn't about the shot itself. That was remarkable. But he had the line after the game that he knew it was going in the second he released it. And my take was that I don't really think players know that when they say that. I think they just say that afterwards because it knows they know it makes it sound like they're a badass. So here's the thing I will say about Max Struess that I I think to me was, was more valuable than the fact that like that game winner obviously is going to be the moment of the Cavs season, right? Yeah. To me, the thing that is most impressive about him and most impressive about what he is and what he has brought to him, and I think why they got him, is that like I kind of do believe him when he says that because he is the most even-keeled stoic locked in guy on this roster. A lot of the time that guy, if you watch the post community with three winners, nine out of 10 people on that team, 99% of people in this world would have been freaking out. Like, Oh, like just have the emotion rush to them. Max looked like he had like just got off of woke up from a nap. Like he's so <laughs> calm. He's so even. Yeah. And like, that makes, I think that shot possible. And it speaks to why he can sit for most of the fourth, come in and hit five threes. Like he did before. Well, including four in rapid succession, like that guy is just so even. So, like, honest, like I agree with you in, in most cases that, like, I do just like, how do you know you don't? That's like a one in a million shot and and everything. And but that guy, I do believe there's just something about him where he is so dialed in and like even keel that I I, I kind of if there is a if a self belief in him when he shoots that shot, I, I really wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, we were laughing earlier because. Uh... Dominic, who's who's our board op tonight, he had Paul's wizard shot where after the game they were like he banked in that three and 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 the line he said was I didn't call bank, I call game. And listen, like that's an epic line. It makes you sound absolutely awesome. But there's no way he knew that shot was going in when he when it, when it was when it was gonna be a bank shot off the backboard. There's just no way. No, no, Paul Paul Pierce also is like sometimes just I think says things that are pretty wild. Um if people have seen like clips of him doing stuff with KG post ESPN for him, it's it's yes. it's quite funny. I mean, he is the guy who uh, famously left the game in a wheelchair, and it was a and as we have now since heard, it was apparently just to uh, go to the bathroom. So, yeah, that, that's Paul Pierce for you. Uh, talk, yeah. <laughs> again, talking with Chris Manning, he joins us on the hotline here on the fan. A few more minutes with him here. Speaking of Max Struess, I, I asked the question last segment, and I kind of gave my answer on it. 
Outside of the core four, are we, is that still a thing, by the way? Are we still saying the core four? I feel like I haven't heard anybody say that this year. I, I, you know, honestly, like, we, we don't need to. Like, that was never a – if you want a hot take for me, I'm not sure that was, like, ever, like, really anything <laughs> other than, like, a marketing term. If, if it never made it on a Cleveland T-shirt, then it, then it doesn't count. Yeah, it's, it's not real. It never happened unless, it was on, <laughs> unless, like, five T-shirt companies printed it, yeah. All right, so but for the sake of this question, I'll use the term. Outside of the core four guys, just to kind of simplify, so I don't have to name them all, uh, if or who is the most important player for the Cavs if they're going to make a deep playoff run? It's Struce or Okora to me. Um, Struce is, you can look at the shooting, the toughness, the been there, done that. I think that's an obvious one. I think Okora is the other one because, number one, he's just shooting and playing with real confidence right now in a way that is absolutely vital. I thought even last year, Spencer, I know he didn't really have like a statistically good series. I really do think if you looked at the physicality of that series and then what he said after, that guy was not phased by it. I think that guy is built for 16 games in the playoffs. Like I think he's just tough as all heck and is about it in the right way. And I also think if you look at the series they could have, he's going to be really important. You know, if they play, if 2-3 ends and it looks like it might go this way, it's going to be Cavs-Bucks round two, you're going to need him chasing around Damian Lillard. You're going to need it. Like, you, you Mobley yeah. and Allen are going to have their hands full, but, like, who do I want on this team defending Dame? I want Okoro. I want him defending Jalen Brunson if you play the Knicks. I want him defending Jimmy Butler if you play Miami. Like, I, you are going to need him, and you're going to need Struce, too, but I think it's, to me, it's Okoro and it's Struce, and those are, the, those are the two guys. I think that's I, I, I kind of whittled it down to those two, and then I sort of settled on Struce as the answer, so I think we're on the same page with this one. Speaking of just important players, important pieces, and we know JB has, has talked about how he's not used to these this, this deeper rotation, but that is a strength for this team, and it's something that he's going to have to rely on in the playoffs. So I, I guess in relation to Sam Merrow, who had a very good night himself tonight, what does his role look like, you think, playoff time? I think it's possible that there's series where he has an impact. Like, I think the Knicks series, he could be a real change of pace and come if they play the Knicks again, and that doesn't super look likely right now, which is maybe good for everyone's like blood pressure in, in April. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, I think like there's a way that like he becomes such a, a, a change of pace guy to open things up. And honestly, Spencer, like I think there's times where they should just play more than they do now. Like, I really think that guy is just yeah. good, and I think he's just, like, a really good shooter, and movement shooting is just one of the most valuable skills you can have as far as a bench guy. They have no one else on the team that can really do what he does in that way. I And I think defensively he's not great, but he's tough and competes at the very least. And I'm not saying every matchup is going to be good for him, but I think you even got to find minutes for that guy now. But I could absolutely see that, like, a good adjustment and gets him out there and they're playing – the Bucks, and they just need some shooting to loosen things up. He's absolutely going to be someone that I think you should, they could call, they could call on just to kind of help change up a series a little bit. I think it's absolutely in the cards for him if if, they, if it goes a certain way. You mentioned the Knicks series, and we know what the narrative was about that team or about the Cavs, or rather, after they lost to that team. I guess, like on a scale one to ten, ten being the most worried, one being not worried. How concerned are you about just like the toughness factor with this Cavs team? Like, is that still maybe one of your biggest concerns going into the playoffs that they they still don't have that grittiness about them? I, I it's lesser than I would have thought. I don't know where I put it. Skill one, it's maybe like a, a like it's it's got to be on the scale of like at least like a five, just because last year was so. Uh, but yeah. I mean, Spencer, there's a lot of times this year where like I think, especially even of late, you see them just kind of muddle through some kind of off nights where I think they could just kind of lay down. 
And that tells you something about, I think, this team's mental buy-in and this team's kind of commitment to, to maximizing this what this season is and what they can be. And, and that's toughness, right? Like, I think Struess, I think, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of, if you go on Twitter, which is like often a mistake, but if you look at what <laughs> people are like debating within Cavs Twitter, it's often like Wade over Niang. And I think Wade's probably like the more functional NBA player in a playoff setting. But if you want to if you want to make a case like for Niang, it's because I think that guy's tougher and he's a little more sure of himself. And like in Struess and him, I think they got two guys, and of course this way too, where they have role guys now who are a little more sure of themselves. I think Mitchell's playing a certain way. I think Mobley's growing into himself. I think Allen's kind of elevated themselves. And I think just the way they carry themselves this year does feel like a group that has kind of toughened up a little bit. But obviously we got to see it in, in April and and whatnot before you can actually I think give a real verdict on it. While we're on the subject of the Cavs and the Knicks, that's obviously their next game coming up on Sunday here at home. Is it almost a lose-lose? Because I I just feel like if the Cavs win, then there's going to be a contingent of fans that just say, oh, well, it's the regular season, and it doesn't really carry that much weight. Do it in the playoffs. But if the Cavs lose, then that same contingent is probably going to say the opposite and just be like, well, see, we still can't beat the Knicks. We're still not tough. So it just feels like no matter what happens on Sunday, it's just going to be it's going to make for uh, unfortunate sports talk radio on Monday. I think if anyone takes those angles and just like predetermines some of that stuff for the sake of it, they're being dumb. Like I think you got to watch the game. <laughs> like honestly, like I mean, yeah. like watch the game, see what happens. The Knicks have a lot of injuries right now. We don't even know exactly what the team's going to look like Sunday. I think all all of us can do whether it's you're a fan, whether you're you're you, whether you're me whether you're fetal or whether whoever you have to like take these games and like do the best you can and what you can learn from them and like put some caveats on it. Cause it's just kind of what the NBA regular season is a lot of the time is putting caveats on things, but I don't think it's losing. I think you're going to learn. I think next week overall, you're going to learn some stuff. I mean, it's Knicks yeah. on Sunday. It's the Celtics on Tuesday and it's the, the wolves on Friday with a game against Atlanta thrown in there as well. It's a busy week. It's three really good teams in the Hawks. You're going to learn some stuff, and I, you know, I think Sunday you just got to take it for what it is and and process it in the moment, and and you can make it what you want. But I think you got to just take it in real time and see what happens before you even worry about what you're going to think about it. Well, we've got our headline for the website. Chris Manning calls Cavs fans dumb. There we go. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Please, please put it honestly. Please. Yeah, honestly, I'm fine. You have my permission to do that. That's fine. 